Welcome to Tea Time. Tea Time is all about coming together as human beings and enjoying a peaceful and powerful cup of tea. Tea Time enables people to be in community amidst of the chaos of life and have a time for reflection, relaxation, and rejuvenation. Most importantly, it fosters an environment for real and important conversations to be had and bring people together. So sit back, sip on some tea, and enjoy. Welcome. Dave McCorvey. I said that right, correct? <laughs> yeah, you did. Um, Amazing. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Dude, thanks for being here, bro. I'm really thanks excited to here. be here. Um, for everyone listening, me and Micah went to elementary school together. Yeah, so we go way back. This is really coming full circle it here. Really is, yeah. And I'm happy to be here and ready to get into some topics. Yeah, so tell us what you've been doing this past couple months with all this craziness going around with COVID and yeah yeah um so i was i was telling them i just so i moved to washington dc about a year ago um pretty much as soon as i graduated from asbury i was headed out to dc uh i'm working in communications at a nonprofit that deals with homelessness and i'm about halfway through my master's at georgetown university in dc right now so i actually ended up coming back to Kentucky because all my roommates had gone in DC and were being with their families and at the time um, the pandemic was I mean it still is it's very scary and there were a lot of uncertainty so I wanted to be near my family I mean yeah being alone in a house bro for that long yeah it's tough and I just couldn't help but thinking like what if I wake up and I just can't breathe or something (laughs) and I'm having respiratory yeah, issues. Choking on yeah. something alone in the apartment. Yeah, so I wanted fear. to be that's around. Yeah, so I wanted to be around my family for a little bit. So I, I went home, thinking I would be there for about a, a week, two weeks, and I'm on my third month now. Um, yeah, so I've been home in Lexington for a while, and how I spend my time. I'm working from home, so and I'm trying to read a lot. <laughs> I'm in my garden. Um, I'm obviously trying to stay abreast with social issues and, yeah. you know, the big movement we have going on right now. Um, but Which yeah. I'm sure we'll definitely get into here in a little bit. Yeah, yeah, that might come yeah, up. Yeah, a little yeah, bit. yeah. Might uh, talk about it a little bit. <laughs> but maybe first, let's talk about some tea. Yeah, let's do it. So, what do we, what do we, we have quite the selection in front of us right now. Yeah. Um, so Sam and I have yet to decide our tea. Dave, Dave is locked in on his tea right now. Uh, what, what are you sipping on? What did I? I went with pure leaf extra sweet tea. <laughs> I was, I was, yeah. I'm not big into the tea, but I'm trying to get into it. So I yeah. felt like this was a good. Hey, no uh, shame, bro. No a shame. Good first yeah. step. We accept all walks yeah. of drinkers. <laughs> exactly. This podcast. There is no judgment mm-hmm. here. Definitely, uh, just a little judgment for not going the real tea route, but it's okay. It's all right. I'm, it's all right. I'm with some veterans in here, so let's let's. Your presence and you drinking any sort of liquid will we'll do. Really yeah. 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 I actually didn't like hot tea at all until I started drinking tea with Micah. So hmm. dude, you can learn. You can. Hmm. Okay. That's true. Okay. So maybe Micah. Uh, all right. I'm gonna go ahead and make my decision quick. Okay. I'm going it. with a honey lemon ginseng green tea. It's a great choice. It's a great choice. Yeah, there's, there's one in here right in front of me in my hand that I've never had before. Sounds interesting, so I'm going to go for it. It is the Wu Yi Oolong. Ooh. The Wu Yi Oolong. <laughs> okay. So let's see, let's see how that goes. So, Dave, what 
I mean, obviously going to college here at Asbury and Wilmore and mm-hmm. uh, say Washington D.C. is probably a big, big change for you. Uh, yeah. What is like? <laughs> I mean, obviously going from Asbury to any other school right. is going to be some big changes, but more right. like. What's the difference in the city life of Washington, D.C. compared to living and growing up here in Lexington? Okay. Yeah. Uh, I mean, even Lexington to Wilmore itself was really different. Um, I, I did my senior year at a high school close by called West Jessamine, and when I would come to school in the morning, there would be cows mooing across the street. <laughs> and now I go, in D.C., there's not a cow in sight. <laughs> yeah. But... Going from going from Wilmore to to DC was a big change. I don't think myself I was prepared for that that big city and we have we kind of have a lot of jokes um, when I was at Asbury that it was kind of like this little safe bubble um, and it was a major transition going from you know this really this private college really nice amenities great school um, to this impoverished area of Washington DC and and working with the homeless population so it was really a culture shock uh but yeah I I left my car in like I left my car in Kentucky I'm all public transportation I'm I'm living the city life it's yeah how good how good is the public transport there oh it's amazing and just looking at how the public transit works in Lexington it the, the Lexington transit is great but when you have this huge population in D.C. riding public, they really put a bigger focus on how can we make this more user-friendly? How can we get more people on the on the metro system? So it's a pleasant experience? Yeah, it's great. It's great. I take the, I take the bus to work. I'll take the metro home. Um, one of my favorite things to do in D.C. is to go to the zoo, which is Smith- the Smithsonian Zoo. So it's free. Um, everything in oh, D.C. with okay. the Smithsonian name is free. Wow. Just a little free promo there because I was so shocked when I just walked through yeah, the gates of the that. zoo and they're like, I'm like, you know, where do I pay? And they're like, no, 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 I'm like, <laughs> it's free. Yeah, have a good time, yeah, awesome. yeah, so and I can take the metro to the zoo. I just get out and you know I'm there. And it's it's really simple. Um, I don't have any problems with that. I love it. That's sweet. You see any weird train people out there? Any weirdos? <laughs> yeah. So I yeah, see like the New York like train people. Like there's hella videos about them. But Man, the DC train people, it's it's similar. You see some wild stuff on the metro, <laughs> like yeah. <laughs> okay, so the answer is yes. That's a, that's a different pod, but yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's a whole different level. Yeah, there's a and there's parts of DC that like I I don't like as much. Like I know I said I left my car in Kentucky, but sometimes there's nothing that can match just like rolling the windows down, going through the countryside, mm-hmm. and like. Just yeah. clearing your head like that. Yeah. Um, there's not a lot of quiet times in the city. Any um, green spaces? Any yeah, outdoor scene yeah, there's a good outdoor scene. Because what's weird about D.C. is I drive 10 minutes this way and I'm in Virginia. And then I drive 10 minutes this way and I'm in Maryland. So okay, yeah, they yeah. call it the DMV area, which I wasn't privy to. It stands for right. D.C., Maryland, Virginia, because okay. they're also intertwined. Okay. So I need to find some of those outdoor outdoor spots. All right, well, I say we get right into it, man. Uh, Obviously, in today's climate, there's been just a lot of craziness going on Mm -hmm. in this world in 2020. Uh, I mean, just some impactful events, even things like starting off with Kobe Bryant passing away. Yeah. Uh, It was was crazy to me how much that 
I mean, obviously, like, I've had grandparents pass away and things like that as yeah. well. I know them personally. That's more of an emotional connection, but uh, I really felt like even just watching Kobe pass away and just seeing the response to that, um, it just started this weird on this weird note, and then COVID comes out of nowhere. Not really out of nowhere, but yeah. a lot of people saying it's a hoax. Two Americans I, out of nowhere. I, 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 mean, I didn't, I didn't think like, anything uh, of it. Like, I personally like, oh, wanted yeah. nothing to know about it. I was just that like... That Chinese virus, it, yeah, yeah, it's yeah, about nothing to do with me. Yeah, and then... All of a sudden, it's we're locking down, and this is yeah, serious, and yeah, a lot yeah. of people could die. It's like it's one of yeah. those things you say, "Oh, it, it could never happen to me," and then, boom, it's there. And it it was really scary. I know when it first. I mean, <laughs> I I repeat again, it's always really scary. It's still really scary. <laughs> but the initial like, okay, we're gonna close down all the stores. We're gonna yeah. close everything. You need to wear a mask when you go out. I mean, that's really scary. For sure. I, we've never seen For anything sure. like that. In the yeah, it's crazy how it started with, like, the first thing I noticed, obviously, was, like, toilet paper. Like, no one could get toilet paper. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like right, right. Movement was, like, that was the joke, that toilet paper was <laughs> And it was a joke, out. like. <laughs> yeah. But then it just got really serious really quick, and I think, I mean, I think you're fair to say that uh, there was more uncertainty at the beginning, so obviously yeah. more fear yeah. involved with that, because literally scientists didn't really know what to do so yeah. like at yeah. the beginning we're saying don't wear a mask and then we're saying wear a mask then we're saying yeah. don't wear a mask and now like now as things are unfolding we're learning like well maybe they were just, not even maybe fauci came out and said he said not to wear masks because there was a shortage for doctors and so it just shows that there's so much uncertainty right. with something like this because it wasn't as well studied it's not like the flu that we've been coming up with vaccines for yeah and for, the way people interpret words you know any yeah. anything anyone important or in the media says people are going to take that however they want to yeah yeah and we managed to politicize mask wearing so that's intriguing <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean i'm gonna be honest there was a period of time when i like was i wouldn't say against masks but i definitely didn't think that there certainly isn't the science to say that they're 100 percent effective yeah. right yeah. but there is science to support that they are at least 30 to 40 percent effective right. at stopping not only right. transmission but also um at some point stopping right. you from getting yeah. um and so at the end of the day i think it was facetious of me not to think we should be wearing masks right. If, right. if it can make us a little safer and make it yeah. easier for us to get back open into the regular world because um i don't know i probably i'm someone that i don't know if you can even trust my opinion on corona because i've never like i'm always someone that's like I'm sick all the time, and I like it that way. <laughs> I'm just making my immune system strong. Yeah, I'm, I'm used not to afraid, this. <laughs> I'm not afraid of germs, and maybe to a fault, to the point where they're like, you really shouldn't trust me. Like, okay, let me just like, move my chair back. Like, <laughs> no, no, I've definitely, things have changed for me in the sense that I know I have to be careful of the people around me. Yeah. That's when it's easy for things in my head to change, when it's not that I'm getting myself sick now, it's uh -huh. that I would get sick and probably fine. I could have yeah. already had it. Might I not even know, yeah. Right. But right. I could give it to Be someone that it, right. that it could change. My and yeah, and it took like a lot of graphics and statistics for us to see that because they were like, all right, here's the chances of you contracting the virus if both of you are wearing the mask. And then the next graph would be, here's one like with one person wearing it and here's one with none. And the chances are just so much higher. Um, and you just think about, okay, maybe, you know, when I'm going to the grocery store, or I'm going to Walmart, if I could just, if maybe wearing this mask just helps one person not get sick, you're like, you know, I can do that. It's like 15 right. minutes out of my day compared to you have healthcare workers that have to wear masks. Yeah. 
24 hours and yeah doctors are wearing masks for a reason yeah and they have to wear them in surgeries for a reason and so i don't know almost for that reason alone uh i think it's fair to say you might you should just wear a mask and i i understand certainly uh the point of view where people are saying i don't want to be told i have to do anything yes when it comes to something right. like yes. a mask right yes. and, it, and it can be quickly taken out of context to the point where you're like obviously states more like California, like if you walk outside of your house, you have to wear a mask. Right. And it's like, well, if I'm walking my dog around yeah. in, the, in, in, an outside in my neighborhood space. outside yeah. in the UV light where it's like actually it's been shown the number, one of the best things to disinfect this and kill the virus is UV light. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. If so only we like, could harness that, you know, stick it inside <laughs> our body. Yeah. Maybe that could, the extreme light, yeah, dissolve the germs <laughs> from inside out. Right? It actually is... Like sign, like the yeah, I'm, I'm sure there is. I'm sure there is. Using yeah. light and putting it into body to, to It's not like I understand what light does. I can, you know, who knows? Spread. There was that phase of people trying to like <laughs> inject hand sanitizer into their bodies and stuff. So yeah, people actually I did see that. We're people. past that now. Hopefully, yeah. Yeah, that was weird. Trump definitely was riffing on, <laughs> on uh, up on camera, but I mean that's what he's done the whole time. So yeah, like, yeah, you're right. And you could see him talking to the people next to him, like, yeah, you guys told me about this UV light thing, and then he's like, yeah. why don't we? We've got this disinfectant. Yeah. Let's get in the body. Yeah, I don't know. If, I I don't know what to think about Trump. That's a whole different topic yeah. we can get yeah, started yeah, on. <laughs> in my mind, there's a two existent worlds where one one side of politics completely loves and agrees with everything he says or it's very hesitant to to outright disclaim what he's saying and there's another side where everything he says is just the worst thing in the entire world yeah um kind of like trump derangement syndrome i guess you can call it i don't know it's i've i look at trump as a symptom of our american politics Mm. is instead of like causing where we are today i think he's certainly not united us as all at a country helped to divide us further but i think he is a response to kind of the issues we already were having in our country just kind of like how covid's the same thing and and even the black lives matter movement now is showing it's showing problems that were already here but because mm-hmm. of these drastic situations it just blew them yeah, wide it open amplifies it. yeah exactly yeah. see i say we get into it i mean we really want to talk about the Black Lives Matter movement today, and, and uh, obviously I'm a white guy, and something that, uh, and I grew up in a kind of a more, urban, uh, not urban, but more of a diverse culture in Florida and Jacksonville, where like, I'm playing soccer and growing up, I was always in a minority, and so coming here to Asbury, it's been very different for me, and something that, um, I don't know, I just wanted to talk to talk to a black brother of mine and listen to your perspective and yeah. listen to what you have to say about it because I can I'm, I'm coming here to try to understand more and try to help some yeah. other people understand Absolutely. more maybe and uh and understanding can only go so far you know what I'm saying like mm-hmm. I can't feel what you feel right at the end of the day and so and that's why I think the key to to solving these issues or at least going down that path is going to be open dialogue mm-hmm. and, and conversation uh, there was a pastor that spoke in my church at home one day, um, and he said, "Dialogue is to relationship what blood is to the body." Wow, and that's so true. <laughs> it's like without and without relevant. being willing to have this dialogue and make the mistakes. So I think really yeah. for a lot of white people in today's age, they're almost afraid to ask the questions that they have because they don't want to be wrong. And, yeah, uh, or get canceled. Or get canceled, yeah, or yeah. say something silly and like. 
That's why I wanted to have you here, because if I yeah. say something dumb, I know you're not going <laughs> to tell me I'm a racist. You're going to say, listen, Sam, that's an yeah, ignorant yeah. statement. you got to think about this a little bit different. So that's why I really appreciate you coming out here. Yeah, really absolutely. Um, this is, I probably should have prefaced with um, I'm black, so for the, the audience <laughs> yeah. who didn't understand that part. But no, like I said earlier, I'm happy to be here, and maybe we, should, we can clear some of the things up for the audience. At least try to. Yeah. I mean, at least get, keep the conversation moving because obviously this isn't going to be something we're going to solve today yeah. or tomorrow no, or this year not. or probably not five. I mean, Who I don't knows? know. Who, Who knows? knows? Hopefully, you know, sooner rather than later. Sooner yeah. rather than yeah. later, but Best this is going to be a process and I yeah. think that's really important to understand. So I kind of wanted to start with, before we got into, you know, the specific Black Lives Matter movement that we're seeing today and the protests and all that kind of stuff, kind of get a history. Um, maybe just, a, obviously, the brief history of, of the black community in America, they came over as slaves. Yeah. They, they weren't, they didn't come over here freely. It wasn't a choice. It wasn't, uh, wasn't an option. They were sold by mm-hmm. um, their own brothers in Africa from, right. from kings and, and from the tribes. And Which a lot of people don't know about that. African Americans were selling other African American. Yeah, um, and come over here and, and lived as slaves for hundreds of years um, until obviously Abraham Lincoln in right. 1862 or 1861. Oh, 18 early 1860s. Emancipation Proclamation was the first move to free the slaves, right. and then obviously we know not until. June, help me with this date. June, June teenth. June teenth. June nineteenth, I believe. Yeah. Whatever. Actually, yes. my history is really weak, but I'll try to keep up. That's all right. That's that's not the point exactly of what we're trying to say. We're just trying to give like a brief. Whatever. When all the when the last slave was freed in Texas, and that's when we could say slaves were actually freed in the United States, and then we moved from there into more of a uh, indentured servitude kind right. of role, um, where it's not technically slavery, but still slavery in a process mm-hmm. where. Um, many African Americans were were jailed for simple simple crimes for loitering for if they didn't pay something if they yeah. were looking at a white yeah. girl the wrong way or anything mm-hmm. like that you throw them into jail and then it's okay to have slavery they didn't call it slavery right. they called it work Modern but it's really the slavery. same kind of thing right. and then we see from there we move into more of like Jim Crow and, and, and segregation kind of laws and um, all of that kind of things and obviously just clear discrimination and, and you know times are obviously different today than they were in our parents generation the generation before yeah. that and the kind of open right. racism that was okay back then and, and even in government right. and clear policies such as like redlining that was absolutely destroying the black community and forcing them into certain uh, parts of the cities and not allowing them yeah. to build up their their equity over generations like like my family has been able to do mm-hmm. and like many families have been able to do um, move from that into kind of like the 1960s civil rights movement where Martin Luther King Jr. really is the head of this and 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 breaks down segregation and and shows uh, they showed through Brown versus Board how it was detrimental to black children to live in the society where Oh man, we got a phone call. Phone coming in. Caller. Oh yeah, we have a caller. Caller coming in. Caller number one. I'm gonna decline it. Our first ever podcast caller. We're gonna mute it. Perfect. Mute him. We're just gonna go with it. Sorry. But yeah, so they they proved that through by beyond the reasonable doubt in the court of law that it was detrimental to young black kids growing up. Um, like 
the specific instance they used, I think they were sh they had her pick a doll, and she chose the white doll because she said it was prettier and it was better, and it was, it was like that. That went against all psychology. That was it was just a clear showing, and that's when things start moving really, I think, forward in a faster way. Yeah. Um, and I think we kind of move into where we are today, where clearly things are different than they were in the '60s. You, there's not. It's certainly not okay to be openly racist. Yeah. Like that, I think that is much more of the common culture where, um, where you can't just go around saying openly racist things or have a sign up that says only whites or things like that. It's illegal in the yeah. United States. It's a hate crime and going to be prosecuted. Yeah. But the problem that brings us to is now it's not clear racism. It's not I own you as yeah, a slave. It's, it's kind of it's really subtle things right. and it's it's really wild to see how. We don't have the same exact rules, the Jim Crow laws, the rules of the past, but things manifest in different forms. So yeah. the big topic today that you're looking at is you have this systemic racism and people say it's not there because you can't really just point it out and see it. But then you look at things like the penal system, for example, and how it disproportionately affects African-American males. Um, you look at things like education and why some schools are doing so horribly because they'll be based off the property taxes and a lot of people struggle to make it out of that education system and just things starting at that base of education. When you're having trouble getting a basic education, um, you know, further down the road, you look at the job market and you have all these executive boards dominated by white men and those are the instances of racism we're seeing today, even if it's mm -hmm. not like really blatant something like a lynching you're seeing which a, still could happen right which, which is, is actually happening ridiculous. um but that that lack of social mobility in the black community is just one of many instances and examples of discrimination that we're seeing today i mean it's really sad i mean if you think about how ingrained that is in to some people like if you think about it, that's since there were no more slaves that was 160 years ago right mm -hmm. that's what three generations maybe four maybe four yeah yeah I think people f sometimes fail to recognize uh, what it's like to grow up in a community and culture where like for years you were slaves to now to now not slaves but essentially still slavery till moving to a little bit more freedom but now you're segregated and it's like you're different or right. other and, and now all of a sudden we're now in this culture today where it is like if anything, you, there can be praise for being minority. And I think we're celebrating minority cultures yeah. and making it mm -hmm. more of a better place. But to say that now, because just because things aren't exactly the same or because things are a little bit better than they were, that that's just out of our mind, that that's no longer ingrained in people's, like, and how they're brought up in the sense that, um, like, I, my, my dad always talked to me or, you know, we kind of had a talk about, this is how you deal with police when you go with police, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. And it's... I think to some extent every parent has that conversation yeah. with their kid, but I think it goes very differently with my dad mm -hmm. and with your dad talking Absolutely. to you about it in the sense that um, there's been multiple instances that I've seen for myself where I got pulled over for a taillight being out and my friend Dinson was in the car with me. He's in the back right seat and he's from Nigeria but moved here uh, like Fried six school. years yeah. ago. He's freshman year of high school. He's like a senior in college. It's maybe eight years ago. And... uh 
The police officer didn't even come up to my window. He went to the back right window first and knocked on it before he said anything. Yeah. Um, and I rolled the window down, and I'm trying to talk to him because, uh, one, I know I'm a white dude, and I know I'm also a little bit better spoken than yeah. Denson, and um, going to be able to handle yeah. bring. Plus, he wasn't yeah. driving the vehicle. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> hey, officer, what's going on? Uh, why are you at the back window? He doesn't respond to me at all. The first question he asks is, are you an American citizen? What? The first wow. thing he asked Denson. And... Is, is this in Wilmore? This, it was in Nicholasville, Nicholasville, like yeah. right outside of, like right next to that McDonald's. Yeah. In Nicholasville. Um, and so like, I I can't say that that guy was doing it because he was racist or because yeah. he hated Dinson, but it's just like... Why is why does he even need yeah. that? Your, your quarrel yeah. for pulling me over is with me, officer. Your job is to come to me and talk to me. And if you want identities of the people in my car, you can do that from my window. Mm-hmm. If you want their proper identification, which he had a driver's license yeah. with it, he's he's not he is not technically an American citizen. So, like, I guess he guessed it right. <laughs> he did it right, maybe. But at the same time, it's like, why does that matter to yeah. you? Mm, it's not the yeah. problem at hand. It's almost it's like going out almost looking for a problem. Right? It's exactly. that, that lack of respect. Um which I yeah, I mean, with the current discussion today it's like are all cops bad and no, I'm not saying that, but it's almost like it's ingrained that just seeing that black man in the back seat you know, I mean, I don't want to think the worst of the police officer, but you just hope it's not it's not racially charged. But it seems that more often than not, it is. And hopefully, a movement like this, um, we we're trying to see real change, um, especially in police uh, in the police department. Um, so hopefully, I mean, we we see something different. Whether it's more training, you know, partnering black and white officers any kind of sensitivity right. work that right. needs to be done which is really the goal of all these protests yeah. right yeah. some sort of reform i mean in my opinion in this specific like instance where i'm talking about dinson um i i don't think the question at hand is was the officer doing this because he was racist or not yeah. that's almost impossible for me to say unless yeah. i right. got to know this man yeah, there's no right, yeah, right. Yeah, but what the question i can ask is how does it make my black brother feel in this backseat. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, how is he now going to feel about police officers? And now is he, how has he felt for his entire life? Yeah, for, for sure. Like yeah, you, for, sure. Yeah. for your entire life. How do, I, I just want to ask you a little bit more. Like, what's your perspective or what is it like to be a black man in America today? Yeah. Wow, that's a heavy question. Um, I mean, I'll start off by saying myself, I'm extremely privileged. Um, both my parents were teachers and I have no problem saying that I can recognize that and I think that's what a lot of us need to do um, looking at our privilege but I was lucky enough to to go to a private a private university and play basketball there Um, but just because you reach a certain level of a certain class or a certain stature um, you're never above racism and a lot of people were saying like you know look at like LeBron or these major figures they uh, they're rich like what do they have to complain about and a lot of that was debunked when people wrote on LeBron's house like these racial epitaphs um, you know they wrote the n-word and a lot of other things on his home and I think that really 
was sobering for a lot of people who thought that, oh, you know, like, they don't feel this way, they don't feel that. And it's like we talked about earlier, just because we don't see that that blatant racism, um, is it is it really there? Does racism still exist? And the answer is yes. Just, I mean, just being at that private university, for example, people don't know the social pressures or how that affects you psychologically when you're looking around your classroom and, you know, I'm the only black person in most of my classes or people are like, they don't even know you and they're saying you know what sport do you play like yeah, yeah. It's, it's like you have to be an athlete to attend the school um i think the racism manifests in a lot of different ways um you end up seeing a lot of stereotyping and, and discrimination going on um me personally it's like i said just being in those those spaces where you might not see a lot of African-Americans. I mean, I see it when I'm going to classes at Georgetown. Um, but people see you in those spaces and make certain assumptions like, how did you get here? Or just treating you a certain type of way. But there's a lot of social pressures that come with being the only black person yeah. in a certain space, too. And, you know, I think that's that's really hard for a lot of people. But... I, you know, I've been blessed and I have a lot of privilege, so I'm just hoping I can use that to to just put it towards towards the movement itself and the Black Lives Matter movement. Yeah, I think that's 100% the right way to look at it. I think, uh, I think some people look down on the fact, like the idea of white privilege or privilege in general, and um, some people want to make you feel guilty about having privilege sometimes. And yeah. I think... I think you've got it right on, like, the point of that is not um, for me to feel bad that I'm privileged necessarily. I mean, it can hurt you that, that other people don't have it as good as you, and that, that's a real pain you have yeah. to deal with, and like, what, God, why'd you choose me yeah. to be in this place, but what can I do with my privilege now that I have it? Why, like, for me, it's how can I stand up and for Denson when he's in the back of the car, like, how can I be the one that's right. getting in trouble here if there's going to be an issue or yeah. things like that, you know? Um, yeah, and it's, I mean, it's funny because no matter where I am, if, I, if I'm if i walking around the street and I'm in, like, a, a wife beater just minding my own business, um, you know, when you're not in that workspace or you're not in that class space, as an African-American, people are still going to see you as that, that same guy, like, that same, I, you know, that same, like, George Floyd, like, that could have been me or that could have been anybody, but just because... Yeah they're not used to seeing me in that space um they're used to seeing me in like a grad school class or they're used to seeing me um on the court playing basketball but when you get out I mean you're the same you're the same as everybody else so you, you really have to look at that and I've always tried to use my privilege um to help other people and that's what I do every day just working with the homeless population we try to empower people and figure out how they can get their lives back on track and i think that's you don't have to be black to do that um and this is a great time to through donation advocacy any way you can help out um the african-american community i think it's you know people aren't looking for like a free handout or something but just the black lives matter is about just being an equal and looking yeah. at your peers as equals, um, your African American peers as equals. It's not saying we don't need like no more and no less. We just like just equality would be a great start. For sure. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think that's kind of... I think when I uh, look at, like, the foundings of America, I think... And obviously, like, not all those guys had the best character and did everything perfectly, right? But I, in my understanding of, of the Constitution, what it's written for, I think it... I truly believe that it was written in a way that was for equality for all kinds. Like, I look at it in the sense of the Constitution was was a document before its time, in a sense, in America, where it was a, a document created to really give equality to all, but we live in a racist society and with slavery, and when it, we clearly wasn't doing that, if that makes sense. So um, I think we're still playing catch-up. If that makes yeah. sense, we're still mm-hmm. we're still working towards that, and I'm not saying the Constitution is perfect, but there's <laughs> a lot of things about it that I truly do believe in that all men were created equal, endowed by their creators with the certain unalienable rights like life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, and that's where I see the biggest um, disparity in the black community is just, or even even more than just that, like in uh, like in the in the community of poverty where people are less have are less fortunate yeah. not that they are less that's a slip of words sorry <laughs> but uh uh like the the opportunity like you were saying easier like that's where the monopoly is i think that's where there really is the least equality in the sense that um if you just look at this the same places in america that are poor and broken and that where the cities are broken. I just spent two weeks in Philadelphia and I'm driving around, you know, 10 minutes from each other where I'm in a nicer part of town where everything looks brand new, where the stores are yeah. looking good. You go around and it looks like, this is like, wow, this is a modern city. And then I drive <laughs> yeah. 10 minutes south and it's like, it's a totally different world. Yeah. And I think there's a part of America that just doesn't understand that people actually live this way. Like yeah. The, yeah. the wealth and equality between the highest class of Americans and the lower classes, it's growing. It's not shrinking. It's yeah. not, um, it's not serving. I, I think our economy doesn't perfectly serve the greater people. Um, and not to say that I think, like, I don't, I certainly am a huge believer in capitalism <laughs> and love the idea of free markets. Um, but I think it, like, if we're, I think it just speaks to the importance of both the left and the right in the yeah, sense of, right. um, if you go to the extremes of either side, it's bad. If you go to the extreme of the right, it's tyranny, it's dictatorship. If you go to the extreme of the left, it's chaos, anarchy, like kind of the opposite. And, and so both extremes <laughs> are not good places to be, but you got to have people that um, defend the way that we do things. Or like, if we have a system that works to an extent, like is is working. Yeah. We gotta have people that are trying to keep that working. But we gotta also have people on the other side going, yeah, this is working for this group of people, but what about this people it's displacing? Mm-hmm. What about these people it's leaving out? Yeah. What about the people that um, since slavery have, have not been able to grow wealth and, right. and grow because of literal laws and because of social pressure and because of racism and because like literally redlining that has kept black communities and minority communities in certain areas of cities like I was talking about in Philly where it's just broken and there's almost it's almost hopelessness for a lot of these people because um, a lot of people mm-hmm. want to say to those guys just pick yourself up by your yeah. Roots, right? yeah. Um, the, uh, the American dream yeah. just try hard dude. <laughs> yeah and I think some people don't understand what it's like to really be living 
on this check to check basis and and not even like one slip up not even a good check to check basis Mm -hmm. not even like you're making 15 an hour 20 an hour where you're like all right this is a livable wage but um like when you're young and and it turns out like the only thing that you've got is to go live on this go like live the life of the streets and start like i don't think people understand why people make those decisions like like why the american dream isn't for everybody right yeah yeah and it it makes me think of the culmination of the whole black lives matter movement i think something that incited it was we go into the covid the covid crisis and there are a lot of people who still have to go to work every day and you're like oh my gosh that's terrible and you look at who these people are and it's going to be mostly minorities and and people of color that have to go into work every day those are the people that have to ride public transportation and really be at risk of infecting themselves with the virus and that's one thing that people were starting to get fed up with that led to that leads to the protesting and that's one Mm -hmm. part of it um but the george foot event is obviously the the biggest event where this man is literally getting murdered on camera but there are multiple things that that led up to it and had people riled up i mean you have unemployment and you have this huge population of people that don't have internet access and everyone's like oh i just got my my stimulus check like asap i got my unemployment asap by signing up online and there's people waiting in the unemployment line all day that can't get their checks so you have all these little things that is just completely ravaging the the minorities in that community um and then the george floyd event is just the 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 tipping point um of all these events that have really just disproportionately harmed the african-american community yeah i kind of want to break that down piece by piece because that's like that's a lot of good stuff right there um just starting off like first with i think you're 100 percent right with the economic opportunity during covid for me, I worked in an essential job. I deliver ice, which yeah. isn't like the most glamorous thing, but honestly, my life didn't look that different compared. Like the life of a working class people and the people that are doing the things that keep the country running, distribution, like getting food to grocery stores and constructing houses and keeping things clean. Our lives didn't look that different than they did before. Yeah. Obviously, there's some different things. I had to wear a mask if I went in the store, like social distancing and all these kind of things. But really, at the end of the day, the way I was living my life didn't look that different from before when there's another part of America that's fortunate enough to not have to work. Right. And that's and I don't think we should look down on that. I don't Like think someone like me who was working retail and then every single store is closed and yeah. now I'm out of a job. Yeah. But thankfully, I had internet access, so I'm yeah, able, to, you can I'm easily, able to go. But easily, I don't know if I would say easily. It was rel- okay, relatively e- comparative to a lot of other people, yeah. I guess. But, you know, the website initially was just so terrible. Like, that the unemployment website that has, you know, millions of people signed up when it's used to having thousands of people yeah, on there. Yeah. It's where it took me, you know, two weeks, I mean, to even get signed up on the website. And then another 21 days before I get any money at all. No, that is really hard though. It's a long time. I mean, you know, thankfully, you know, I had, I, I was had money saved up on like people that live literal paycheck to paycheck to where if they lose a job they're done. Yeah. Or, you know, if they slip, break an arm, go to the hospital, they're done. Like yeah. 
And we also have families that true. were there to support Very us. True. With like my parents have worked hard and, and built Very that true. equity because their parents before them doing the same thing and their parents before them doing the same yeah. thing. And so there was a time when I didn't have enough money to like go out because I was relying on a meal plan. And then when yeah. the meal plan ended at Asbury, like I didn't save money to be, I didn't save money to eat because I was planning on using this. And so my parents had to send me money. And like, for me that I'm blessed and I'm thankful and happy for that. But there's a lot of people that didn't have that option because of their families doesn't have this, this equity built up or the same kind of family yeah. structure. And so, and it's, it's great that you can say that and acknowledge that, you know, I like, I had this slight head start, like, you know, I, I had this given to me kind of, but there are a lot of people who, who are saying like, you know, they, they can't, Except the fact that they got a slight head start. And I heard actually Isaac Moore talking about this, but it's that hyper individualism we have as Americans where mm. we're saying, like, no, I got this all myself. I did this all <laughs> myself. Like, this is all me. Blah, blah, blah. And it's okay to, like, say, you know, you can be a really hard worker and yeah. still just, you got a little head start. That's fine. Um, and it's just, and I was looking at one thing the other day, but just the, the art of the, and this is a slight segue, but not really the art of like the unpaid internship The I, I was able to complete a couple unpaid internships that really forwarded my career a lot. But you have this, this community of people, like I was mentioning earlier, who can't, you can't do an unpaid internship if you have to work all day to pay bills and that it just is what it is um in the you have impoverished communities and people who aren't able to do unpaid internships because you need money asap and and just recognizing that is a really it's really sobering to even think about that and these are things we weren't talking about before we hit this major black lives yeah. matter movement yeah, without yeah. A doubt. i think there's a careful balance um like I've heard a quote, it doesn't take a family to raise a child, it takes a community. And so to to fully do it, I think, the right way, like I think you're 100% right. If we're looking at it only as everything I have in my life is a product of what I've given or work for myself, I think that can be a very, um, it can be a, a bad way to look at things. It can be a way where, a very selfish way to look at things instead of looking at your life in the sense of, well, here's what my parents did to do for me, and here's the friends I had growing up, and here's the school system I was educated in yeah, that, yeah. that I was blessed enough to go to. A, I went to a high school where I did uh, 45 credits of college in wow. high school and didn't pay a single dollar for that. That's crazy. I didn't pay a That's single crazy. dollar yeah. for 45 credits, and it allowed me to come into college and almost be ill-prepared because right. it was easy in high school, and I had, <laughs> like messed around a little bit and didn't have great grades for a little yeah. bit and now I'm still gonna grad I'm actually graduating a little bit late because I saved classes so I could play soccer this last year but because I had that opportunity in a great school system mm. to, to further my college I came in before like it's just something that a lot of students in America aren't even possible for them or even if they right. do have AP classes possible they have to pay for that test yeah and and you're like again you're acknowledging this and that's hopefully what's going to be a product of the movement is getting on a, a larger scale and and mm -hmm. into the ears of some real difference makers like we need schools to be more equal for all students and all people need more opportunities like Sam had to take those pre-college classes. Um, and we're not asking for handouts. It's just more more equality. Yeah, I think yeah, you're 100% right. I think, one, I think, like, where racism comes from is ignorance. 
And yeah. a lot of problems that people have is ignorance. And I yeah. think education is a solution to a lot of problems. And a lot of people having financial problems. Um, yeah. If they had the proper education to know how to invest their money and to not be... Like, I work... So I deliver ice and I'm in gas stations all day. And, like, when I was in Philly and you watch what people spend their money on, like, you know how many... So much money is spent on lottery tickets that are not going to be won. Yeah. Like, it's crazy to for me how many people I watch buy lottery tickets. It's one of the biggest scams I think we have in America. Like, they defend it by saying it supports the school system, but... It, but how much does it? I, Who knows, bro? Who yeah. knows? But, okay, so what I wanted to say about, like, kind Sorry, of yeah, trying to help the education system, in my mind, I think it'd be... I don't know, it's something I've been trying to figure out how exactly it would work, but um, I've almost even wanted to call it reparations in a way to try to, like, fix these schools in impoverished areas and minority communities yeah. in the sense of... I would want to hear the best argument against changing um, the property tax code to only your county or only your direct signing area to a statewide thing. So yeah, instead I, of, I totally agree. Instead of only the wealthy areas get really nice schools, mm-hmm. it's... Um, now we now we're using the the wealthy areas to fund the poor areas. Yeah, and, and it, it's like so much to navigate because yeah. you want like more state funding, I guess, and then but then you have to find out how you can measure these things and like the barometer that we've been using now is how are your test scores and stuff mm. and like we can right. allow you more funding based on test scores, but obviously some of these schools aren't getting the grades that they need and the marks that they need. And wouldn't you think that those types of schools would need the more more funding than right. the ones that are struggling? Yeah, and it's like you don't want to take funding away from a great school. There, yeah, there's a lot of stuff that is above my pay grade. But right. I think a big part of it too is just up upbringing as well. You know, I'm sure all three of us come from loving families. You know, yeah. right, so we're able to really connect with people in that sort of way. You know, growing up, growing up in a Hispanic family, I think a large part of my kind of outlook on life was really impacted by our elementary school, you know, yeah. going to, you know, an, a very urban environment like Sam's and having people of all sorts of color there, all interacting, you know, half the days in Spanish, everybody's, yeah. we're all just kids, you know, we didn't, we had no idea that people would, would, older than us would think that that could be, that could be wrong, all of us, you know, being together and learning at the same rate, you know, just being able to grow up in an environment that's very culturally diverse I think is yeah. very impactful on people. That's something that's really exciting we can look for forward to I think in our generation is just how diverse we're getting as a people. I think the number of uh, hmm, I'm trying to think of the right way to say it, but yeah I, I agree with you yeah. um, we're getting more diverse schools or hopefully getting more diverse um, and being around people of different backgrounds would be just really beneficial to, to everyone. For sure. That's one of my favorite parts about sports. Uh, yeah. Actually, is exactly yeah. that. Is that, like, it doesn't matter what you look like. It doesn't matter what you sound like. It doesn't matter how big you are. To, I mean, it, it, okay, it might matter how big you are, tall you are, how fast <laughs> you are. Yeah, those things matter. But, like, at the end of the day, what matters is what you can do on the field to help the team win. Right. You know, like, it matters what you put in. So I think, like, that's kind of what I got a lot of my perspective on the world I think not all of it but like it was certainly a foundational part of my childhood was sports and the environment of a team and the environment of yeah like there's never a point in time in my life whether it's because of the way my parents raised me or because of the people I grew up around where like 
it was just normal to be friends with people that weren't like me. Yeah. That, you know what I'm saying? Like, it was normal playing soccer. To, it was mainly Hispanic sport in Florida. And certainly, like, a really high Hispanic population in Florida. Like, it was normal. My One of my best friends growing up, Gio, was, that was the kid I spent, like, all my time with playing soccer. Um, it just became normal for me to spend time with people that didn't look like me. Yeah. Playing. And I think sports are one of the biggest impacts yeah. of that because it brings people together in it. Yeah. Um, and I think actually a lot of the sports system can be broken in America because of that, because a lot of the best sports programs are pay to play and they're not cheap. And so yeah. as Completely compared right. to like England, like a like great example of soccer, you know, yeah. soccer in the United States, pretty trash. You got to pay a lot to be on a good team where a place like Brazil, everybody is playing in the streets yeah. and they have the best players in the world. Yes. There's just so many dynamics, and it's great that we can like call these out now. And I don't think we were paying attention to these things at first. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it certainly has given us the opportunity to step back and and really take a hard look at things. But I also think like this isn't a fight that's new. Yeah. Like when I said, like yeah. this coming, this isn't. If the only thing that happened in a vacuum was the George Floyd killing, there certainly would have been a like serious response to that but I don't think it obviously would have been the same level as has like I think exactly what we were saying earlier this came from uh, the racism yeah. for years mm, multiple from, from generational um, just looking down on yourself or feeling like you're oppressed or feeling like there's people out mm-hmm. to get you because there literally is people out to get you yeah. trying to kill you and you gotta be looking yeah. over your back all the time yeah, and I mean, I, I don't even think it would have been the same if there wasn't a pandemic going on where yeah, yeah. we're taking such a big focus on social media and we have more time. People aren't working their regular nine to fives. Um, it just really amplified that killing. Mm-hmm. And going back to what the sports that we were talking about, I think that'll give athletes right now an interesting platform um, to spread their messages as well. I saw one of the great things... I don't. I, I haven't decided if I'm in favor of the NBA resuming next month or not. But um, you know, I'm a bas- I'm a big basketball fan, so I don't know. But one of the things the NBA is going to do is you can put social justice messages on the back of your jersey. So a lot of the players have like Black Lives Matter on the back of their jerseys, um, No Justice, No Peace on the back of their jerseys, and a lot of really great messages. Mm-hmm. I think some of those post game interview interviews could be really great um i think players really have a unique platform to educate the world hopefully and their peers and get their message across unfortunately i think it could also be where some of the nba players who opted out of the restart were mentioning that excuse me we don't want the message to be um instead of people paying attention to the news and how they can make a difference in attending protests they're watching basketball all day so i think that's another really interesting point of view like what if people stop protesting and they go to watch lebron play later Mm. um what if instead of looking at this new uh black man who got murdered on television they're attending um a, a nba championship washing party so i think those are some also really good points too Mm -hmm. i haven't thought of it like that to be honest yeah yeah I think platform is important to you. I got, I got a question for you guys. So, you know, social media, huge platform. And Black Lives Matter, everyone's trying to be a justice warrior about something. Do you think that through social media and this all this movement, it's improved things? Or do you think it's more toxic than it is helping? Hmm. 
that's tough. I don't know if I could definitively say it's one more or the other, but I can certainly say it's both. For sure. I can certainly say that I don't like the I don't I don't like the idea that um, you have to say something. Yes. In a sense, or else you're or else you're like. Yeah, I like think that's what bothered me. The silence is violent. Yeah. I think is is. Stupid. In itself, an oxymoron <laughs> in the sense it's that like violence is violence. That's what violence. Yeah. I think it depends how you use you're that right. term. If you're, you're right. if you're using that, it depends. if you're using that in the in the fact that uh, the cops sitting there watching right. that guy getting murdered, that silence is violence. Right. Like, clearly, that silence is allowing violence yeah. to happen. But right. I just think that this is much more of a nuanced and difficult subject to just right. be able to post about it on social media yeah. and feel good about it. Yeah, it's tough. I agree and disagree because I there's this one girl I follow on social media and like every single weekend she's posting these pictures at the lake and I'm like and we're in an interesting period because it's been a few weeks after the major protests and mm-hmm. A lot of people have said that, you know, um, we, we went and we did that. We made our post. But this girl just keeps posting lake pictures, like, every week and never says anything. And I understand silence, but I also think there's an extent to which you're getting into this really tone-deaf um, this tone deaf area. And I don't think you have to say anything, really. So... I'm I'm having difficulty with that myself because I I'm not sure where I stand on it because it mm-hmm. does bother me that she just seems completely ignorant to what's going on in the world but on the other hand I'm like I don't you know I don't know what this girl's doing maybe she's at the lake like yeah. preaching to her friends like yeah, these are really important issues you know but it just doesn't show so did you watch the Dave Chappelle eight four six like com it's not it's a comedy special I guess it's kind of new it. right. Yeah, yes. he put it out. I haven't, I haven't so seen it yet. His perspective on it, uh, he was upset because a lot of people were saying that, using that exact thing, his silence was violence and he wasn't standing up and using his platform to fight yeah. against this. And when his response was, why do people care about what a, like, a professional stand-up comedian has to say about mm. this? The streets are talking. Yeah. Like, I don't need to talk. I trust them to say yeah, nothing. Yeah. Like, they're out yeah, doing it. Yeah. Well, who cares what my massive celebrity thinks about this <laughs> nuanced problem that's not... This isn't yeah. something that I can just put in 240 words and fix it, you yeah. know? What I don't like is I think a lot of people post a lot of stuff on social media. With no action. With no action. and, yeah. and with well, they, that, po- they post with their that. black box, dog. It makes them feel good. Yeah, yeah like maybe... Maybe I think going to protest is certainly an action, but I think there's going to have to be way more than just... Like, protesting is just the start. Yeah. It's just, hey, look at us. We're here, and we're loud, and, and we want change, and we're demanding change. Um, but then it's also going to be, like, stepping into broken communities and, and wanting to change yeah. them from the inside up. I think there's a careful balance between... Um, like, if you go too far, it can be... Uh, like you were talking about what Isaac said about too much individualism, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Where you're asking people, it's all about you. You got to pull yourself up by your bootstraps and yeah. figure it out by yourself and you can figure it out. But the thing is, that's not the same case for a lot of people, mm-hmm. right? Um, but that doesn't mean that you are now non-responsible for your actions because you were born into poverty or because you were born into a difficult situation, right? Yeah. Like, at the end of the day, um, I strongly believe the only person that can affect the way that your life is going to be is yourself. Yeah. Right? Like, I kind of look at it like a coach and referee dynamic in sports um, in the sense that you need a referee there 
to keep the rules, like to keep it fair. Right. Right? Because if you don't have a referee, then people are just going to be fouling each other and cheating and things like that. Exactly. And so, like, you got to have someone saying, well, wait a second. This guy started with nothing and has been working his whole life and he still has nothing. Yeah. Right? Um, but then some people look at it and say, well, why did he join a gang when he was 17? Why did he go and rob a store? Why was he selling drugs? These kind of things. And it's like, because he did that, now that explains everything. And I think it's, I think it's a little more complicated than that. I think we do need people like pushing guys forward and women yeah. forward and saying, like, you are, the government isn't going to fix all your problems or like... Uh, yeah, like there's a point where you have to you have to take action, and a lot of that is gonna start in in small spaces and with dialogue and conversation, mm-hmm. like we talked about. But I yeah, I mean, I think that your actions do speak a lot louder than your words. Um, so if you're not, you don't have to post anything, but maybe next time you're in a group um and you might be with an african-american or something and you hear like a microaggression like oh you're you're black so you're definitely good at sports right or like you can dance or something you know it's it's your job to to intervene in that space and it'll be a compilation of a lot of a lot of small things like that so if i had to choose between seeing your posts on social media and you taking action i'm obviously more interested in you taking action yeah i think you're right it's not you don't have to have one or the other it doesn't have to be only one or the other yeah the thing that i'm cautious of is like anytime uh when there's like this massive mob mentality that's like you have to think like us mm-hmm. and act like us yeah. or you're wrong the hive mind like yeah like like joe biden saying if you vote for trump then you ain't black yeah <laughs> it's just like yeah, he. It's like why? Yeah, I don't even. We have to. I think we have to give people the freedom of thought. Yeah, right. For sure. Because if you, if there's a racist person that's truly racist, me posting Black Lives Matter is not going to change his mind. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like we have to give people the freedom to believe what they believe and think what they right. believe. If we true. If we truly believe that, that's a much harder thing to do than it actually. Yeah. Than just actually saying, because like, what what changes people. What changes bad thinking and bad dialogue is good thinking and good dialogue. Not you can't talk if you don't say the same things that we're saying yeah. right now. And like I think that it kind of moves into like cancel culture in a lot of ways. Yeah. And um, if you don't think like us, you're wrong, man. It's like <laughs> the hive mind said everyone wear masks and everyone was wearing masks. And then it said, you know, everyone go outside and protest, right? Which is great. I'm not saying that they shouldn't be doing that. But then people kind of forgot about the whole mask thing. They're like, okay, well, that obviously was yesterday's thing. Social media or whatever, the people are telling me I should go outside and not not care anymore because yeah. this is more. I mean, obviously, it is very very important. Yeah, that's a hard that's a hard issue too. I think. I, I mean, not that hard. Like something I certainly didn't like about uh, kind of the media's portrayal of that is like right. a week earlier. There was protests about people wanting their their freedom, their ability to open their businesses and things like that. Yeah. And like how the media was covering that was like, look at these awful people not caring about social distancing and not wearing masks and, and not doing these things. And then a week later when it's a protest that uh, betters their side or more benefits them to be with, all of a sudden it didn't matter. Like now it was like, these protests will cause nothing to corona. 
And it's like, no, like that's that's not what we're saying here. We're not right. saying that this is all just perfectly safe and fine. We're saying that this matters to the point where yeah. it matters more than how I. I mean, it's hard because Corona's yeah. real and it's killing yeah. people. But like, yeah, they're both very important, and it doesn't have to be one is right. one over the other. Um, I think I know when I I went out protesting a couple of times. I'd like to. I, th- I believe I saw most people wear wearing masks. Um, and if you were there and you weren't wearing a mask, uh, I, I'm i looking at you the same way I would look at you if we were in a different space and yeah. we were out with a lot of people and you weren't wearing a yeah. mask. So I, I don't, you know, that doesn't make you above, um, just because you're right. at the protest, it doesn't make right. you above or corona or above anyone's condemnation. But um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I just like it was a weird point in time. I thought where a week before people were being arrested for opening businesses, yeah. <laughs> and then I mean this is kind of getting into like the deeper part of the protest. Like, and then a week later, police were letting people like destroy these businesses and take everything <laughs> from it. And some, not every city, but cities like Minneapolis, were instructed yeah. to just let it happen. And I don't know, man. I personally. I personally think that, like, there's this distinct line between protesting. There's not, I shouldn't say distinct. Between protesting and then sometimes easily, like, there's a blurred line between when protest turns into a riot, right? Yeah, and um, it's it's not the same people. It You know, yeah, there's right, yeah. protesters and there's looters. They're not the same thing. Yeah. They're not the same people. Yeah. Um, people, you know, they had, most of the people were coming in from out of state. Yeah. They have agendas. Yeah, yeah. yeah and those those people that's it's horrible it's awful those people you know yeah I think that problem kind of comes down to like I think that there is a lack in America to call out bad behavior on your on your side or like things that line up with you so like for the left and the right like there's a lack of calling out the bad behavior on your side of the party or um, I think that like if you look I don't know no, you're right. It should all be looked at objectively. Yeah, like the if you're calling out the people that, the people on your side that are doing it wrong, then that now gives you the credibility to call out the wrong on the other side yeah. as well. Like if you're only willing to call out what someone else is doing wrong, then I don't care what you have to say <laughs> because like, if you can't deal with yourself first, then you have no right to start telling other people that what they're doing wrong. You know the what I'm deep saying? party allegiances is incredible. Yeah, it's really <clears throat> incredible. I. They really are ride or die. It doesn't make any wow, sense. I mean, it, it's it blue or red. Yeah. There's no... and <laughs> It's incredible. I, I, I think the Gen Z and Millennial look at it a lot differently. Um, I think we're a lot more open-minded. Uh, well, I like to think I am personally, but I'm obviously biased. Um, but I think working in media and like PR, it's a lot easier to look at it objectively mm. than... Uh, than a com than the common person, but you know it's obviously biased. <laughs> yeah, I mean every person is clearly going to have their bias, right? Yeah, it's, just, it's human nature. The, what right. you believe is is yeah. going to pervade the things that you say, right? But that's what I think as a job as journalist, and kind of in today's day and age, journalism looks a little different. Like if you look at just the norm, like what most people consume, it's where they get their media from: Twitter, Fox News, CNN. CNN. And, and, it's just like, and I just think that they I just think like the I just think the most popular media sources have 
monetized uh, anger and outrage. And yeah, whatever yeah, get yeah. clicks is whatever gets clicked makes more money. And it's how do you know what to believe on the television these days? Oh, so you can't. Hard. You can't. You have to get everything screened through multiple sources before you state your opinion on it. Which is crazy, dude. Because like, isn't what like three major companies own like all, yeah. all like channels yeah. everywhere, like something like yeah. that, like crazy. Like, how much influence do those, those people have? Mm-hmm. I mean, they can literally decide, like, significantly influence elections. Like, there's yeah. all these people where, and, and, like, talking about Russian collusion and how, and obviously, like, that's a bad thing. And Russians are, like, Russian bots are continually affecting our elections. Yeah. And that's a serious problem we have to affect. But what about our own media that's affecting yeah. all of our elections significantly? CNN, in a lot of ways, helped Trump without even realizing it. Because of how much they publicized him and yeah. how much they put him up there in his first mm-hmm. election, a lot like it's kind of the same saying like even bad publicity is all, good publicity. All publicity. Yeah, exactly. Is good publicity. And so like, I don't know. I just think, I just think we have such a flawed media system. And but I have a lot of hope for that because there are a lot of new independent media sources coming up because of the internet. Because. Um, just the ability because of podcasts and yeah. and um, just freedom of speech for sure yeah exactly and the ability to to move outside of that kind of big business media media culture um, where there is like such a attitude of political correctness and it's like it's these segments where there's three people's heads on a screen for a minute and a half yeah. and you talk you yell over yeah, each these other super for, complex topics they got to cover in thirty seconds yeah it's like yeah. there's no way we can. Completely get into the Black Lives Matter movement or like riots and protests and what's going on here and what's okay and what's not okay in a one minute and a half yeah. segment where I'm yelling over each other. It's just like no possible way anything <laughs> beneficial could come from that, but it makes you money. Yep. Entertainment. So it comes down to at the end of the day, where's the money going to come from? I kind of want to, not to say a different note, but get more like specific into. Yeah. So, the talking point I've got written down here is the difference between protesting rioting, looting, what's right versus wrong, and is there necessarily a clear line? Right. Uh, I mean, I think looking at protesting, people wouldn't be protesting if things were right and just. Um, Also, protesting is a way of being heard and being seen, so there's no right way to protest. There's no conventional way to protest. Uh, The bottom line of protesting is to be heard and to get your message out um the rioting and looting is uh, unfortunately it's been seen as a, a byproduct of the protesting and it's awful you know i it's sad that people yeah. would take advantage of this movement and go out and just have this behavior in public it's really disappointing yeah i think I mean, anytime that you're gonna, anytime there's like huge protest movements like this, there's one provocateurs on both sides that are trying to make things look worse than they are. Yeah. So there's people trying to make these things violent because yeah. then it helps. I mean, their I side. saw I saw a video of this guy dressed in all black, you know, gas mask on, so completely anonymous. Everyone is he's in a protest. Everyone there's peaceful. He walks up to like an auto zone. Smashes all the windows and yeah, then just walks away. Yeah, I think I saw yeah. that. Um, and 
people, you know, I went, the few protests that I went to, there was such a large emphasis on this is how we're going to keep this peaceful. Yeah. Don't go out of line. Don't do anything. Don't provoke anyone. We are 100% peaceful. And they're saying that like every 15 minutes because it's so important. And we don't want anything detrimental to the movement to happen. So they hire a lot of different like law enforcement services Mm. even just to make sure that people in our group are staying in line. Um, Yeah people that know how to deal with uh, protests and people that have been in this situation, how can we make it stay peaceful and on track? And a lot of people don't know that that kind of stuff goes on at protests. And where where was that that at? This was downtown Lexington at the courthouse. Yeah. Yeah. Lexington, like all the protests, was more of a certainly more of a peaceful right thing yeah and obviously like in lexington kentucky you're probably gonna have a more peaceful protest than in you know like atlanta like, i was actually in philadelphia when things started going yeah down, like crazy so like, it's definitely different scenes but even about the protesting it's really encouraging and great how many like i'm seeing a lot of white people at these protests and mm. that's really great to see that even they're coming out and they're defending um people like me and fighting for us too and they're out there for us yeah and i think you're definitely right like i saw so many videos and i actually talked to a guy that was protesting in louisville and talking about exactly that same thing like we are actively searching for these people trying to start violence yeah. and trying to stop them like i saw countless videos of of some guy coming up and start trying to break a window or something like that and then protesters are literally apprehending him and handing him over Mm -hmm. to the cops because they're like you're destroying what we have right right now this opportunity we have right now to to make change you're just taking advantage of it because i mean there really there are people that are psychological criminals and like Mm -hmm. almost sociopaths that are like now that there was organized crime like people with lookouts in new york looking around the street corner and and having communications and so like half of the looting was organized criminals that are like all right now that i have this situation now i have the time to profit but i actually talked to some guys in philly that were like told me that they looted a few stores No, he was a cool like he was a cool guy and he just kinda of brought it up casually and he was like we're just like talking about it and he was You're like, a great guy. Yeah. No, he was a cool like he's I trained him at my okay, yeah. I didn't believe yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> He's a cool guy. Uh and a, just a normal guy and just like a working man trying to work on just trying to earn money so he can eat right. for him and his family, right? But what'd he take, bro? What'd he take? No, here's the situation he was telling me is like He's just driving past a store, and there's a bunch of people coming in and out of a liquor store <laughs> grabbing stuff, right? And he's like, my girlfriend just is like, hey, we should get some. And so he just pulls oh over, goes that in, that mob mentality, some, yeah. right? Everyone's so doing it, let's do say. it. It's really easy for you to immediately look at looters and say, even me, to immediately say that all of them are completely evil people. And Until you're in that things. situation. Until you, you are in a, a situation. Rolex watch hanging out there. Yeah, what I'm saying is like, in a community where you don't have a lot of things, right? In a poor community where you just went through three months of quarantine, some people able to work, some people not able to work, some people not able to eat. And so, like, I just don't think it's easy enough to say that. I think it's facetious for anyone to say I would never leave in any situation ever. If you're hungry and, like, needing and you got nothing, you know what I'm saying? Like, you've, you've been working your life and you don't have anything, to say that it's just so easy to walk yeah. by a store where people are running in and out, grabbing Easier things and not them. to do it. Right. I'm not going to say that it's okay, but I'm going to say, like, I can understand that kind of thinking. You know what I'm saying? Like, I can understand, like, 
Right. I haven't had anything. I can't even work for anything mm-hmm. right now. Nothing's gonna happen to me if I go in the store and take like it just at any time there's a groups and mob mentality, yeah. it's easily the responsibility can be diffused. And a lot of people immediately are just gonna call all looters one hundred percent criminals and, and so I think a lot of people were opportunists, like they were there and they're hungry or they're needy or like or maybe they just didn't have much and wanted some and you know what I'm saying, like you can't say that all of it was necessarily like malintent and plan and went out there to steal things. Like right. some of it was crime of opportunity. Some of it was yeah, right. clearly planned out where criminals are going with organized groups and, and robbing things and starting it. Um, right. I don't know. I think something that upsets me the most was like places where uh, police officers were just letting people loot, like right in front of them. Right. Um, okay. I, I haven't seen that. There was there were cities like Minneapolis and in New York that police officers were told to stand down, like don't. That's why uh, like Fifth, I don't know if it's Fifth Street, but one of the downtown streets is just destroyed because they're told not to respond to these calls. Um, and you think that was just to push the narrative that people are looting? Or no, just no, no, no. I don't think it was to push the narrative. That was they looting. didn't a lot of start. I mean, it was like a safety concern or so. Like, <laughs> I'm not. Right, yeah, please, policy, please like, tell us all the information. I don't have all the information. Not like this. No, it's not <laughs> at all. But like, it's more like like New York, like a democratic city, where yeah. it's more of like a political statement to mm-hmm. not to not want to step in and defend. You know what I'm saying? Where yeah, it's so, more of like so tricky, bro. I would be surprised if that's no. no there's little the mayors. Like like if you look in Portland at Chaz, at the the autonomous zone. The have autonomous you seen this? zone. Have you seen that? No. You haven't heard of me? It's crazy. The Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone. So this group of, <laughs> this group of protesters and, and writers, and they wear the name of Black Lives Matter proudly, and I think that they're doing a dishonor in a lot of ways, took over six blocks in the, in the police precinct in Portland, hmm. in Seattle. Uh, and the cops had to, had to leave because they weren't... They couldn't defend it anymore, basically. Like, it was yeah, days and yeah. days and the days. The warlords and, came in, took like, it that, over. That, there wasn't peaceful protesting at all. It yeah. was like, actually, I should have showed the video, but there's videos of them just throwing bottles at this line uh-huh. of cops just for just 10 minutes long of them throw. Half of them were just water bottles, plastic water bottles. Half of them are glass bottles, just throwing it. And right. the police had to step out, um, half because they didn't have the proper equipment and people to defend their own precinct but also certainly not the proper training the mayor told them to to step out i mean i'm not saying it's not true i would be surprised though if the mayors were letting their cities get wrecked to make a point but i'll have to look it up yeah but i mean it turned into a much more difficult situation it's actually now starting to end but like chaz was the Capitol Hill Autonomous yeah. Zone. It happened in, there's actually one in Philly too. There's a lot of different cities where it came up. And it, like, it's kind of these more, it was an anarchist group. Yeah. And, right. and uh, wanted to abolish, a lot of these same groups are the ones tearing down all the statues yeah. and destroying yeah. all, it's these kind of thinking where I want to destroy all of America, burn down the system. Entirety of America is formed on racist ideology yeah. and uh like the whole <laughs> just start over yeah they want to burn everything down and start over and like one of the funniest things to me was as soon as they started the autonomous zone they put up a sign of the things that they needed yes the autonomous like, zone like, put up a sign of things they needed it was like food 
what there's some there's some serious issues going on in the autonomous zone. Like there was <laughs> multiple shootings. Like I think oh, there was up oh, to like seven wow. shootings. Wow, I don't know how I've heard of this. And and the police and the ambulance couldn't go in because they didn't. It was a no police zone, so wow. the ambulance can't go anywhere that the police can't go. Like they can't go by themselves yeah. because of safety issues, and the yeah. police were not allowed in. And there's people literally stand. They they created borders like with cars and wood and like created borders around these six blocks, right? Like everything they were against, like borders and, and police. <laughs> they literally have armed guards standing at the borders, checking people if they can come in or not. I, I, I'm no, I don't know how you haven't seen this, bro. And quickly, like, I think that kind of moves into like the problem with the police. Like if the police 100% pull out of any area, it creates a power vacuum. Right. Just like, uh, just like in foreign countries where we've gone and killed a leader, uh, like in uh, like Egypt, I think, in, in right. Benghazi, where we've killed this leader and now created this power vacuum. Yeah, like where who's gonna come power in? Struggle. Like yeah. if if we just come in and completely remove this the the law and order of mm-hmm. a country, it turns into chaos and it turns into a power vacuum, and someone's gonna fill that that vacuum. Like it's not just gonna not be filled if. We got rid of all of the police right now in America. Someone's gonna fill that, yeah, fill yeah. those positions, right, right? Which I don't think is the. I mean, with the defund the police, I, I mean, there are some people who are saying abolish the police, but that I think that's what a lot of people get confused with the defund the police. It's like we don't want to completely dissipate the police. Yeah, right. we that. just want to yeah. right. So when I when I see the defund the police I think it just means allocate less money for the police force and maybe more money towards mental health professionals more money towards education and other things that could hopefully put a stop to um, just put a stop to I'm trying to think of the best way to say it but um, police brutality yeah police brutality and I don't think that means completely take down the police police are important um it's i guess it's the law um but there are police departments that have this insane amount of money allocated toward the police and you just think like what other productive things we could do in the community with that extra money it's true i think that's a very fair point i think uh Certainly, like the war on drugs and things like that have uh, overfunded some police stations where they literally have tanks and, uh, like, essentially weapons of war and things like that because of the war on drugs and things like that. Right. That significantly increased the budget of police departments. And how much do you think they're trained, you know what I'm saying, like, to use that sort of equipment? Yeah, I think that's. I think that is the most significant problem, uh, in my mind, in the police department is training. Uh, okay. I think one. If you look at like from the perspective of a police officer, like what a police officer sees and deals with every day, the psychological yeah, very traumatic effect for sure yeah. of that on a police officer. So like, I'm not the one that has to respond to. A girl who was murdered and raped and left in her house yeah. every day. Like, there's police officers that every day are witnessing murders yeah. and and shootings sure. and sure. violence and sexual assault and domestic abuse and child abuse and all of these types of things. And so, like, it can shape your understanding of people or your understanding of the world. And like, 
a lot of cops have PTSD and things like that that mm-hmm. cause them to not be able to uh, react appropriately when they get in these high-stress environments, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, that makes sense. And then there's some, like, inexcusable situations, though, because we look at George Floyd, and absolutely. this is an officer that's had multiple offenses against him, um, mm-hmm. and to keep someone like that in the force is just ridiculous, and... Mm-hmm. I don't understand how that, how something like that, and a, a person like that is just out with a gun, and that's that was really discouraging for me to look at his sheet and see so many offenses against him. Absolutely, I think it was like it was more than thirteen. I think you're right. I think it, I shouldn't say that the number one thing that is training. I think I should right. say it's one of the main things. Yeah, I think without a doubt you're right. It's insane to me that the police police themselves. Yeah, it's absolutely insane to think that. The if police they, don't yeah. always police. Right. Well, well so. they're the, they the ones that have the authority to police themselves. Yeah. They're not policed yeah, by okay, an outside okay, yeah. source. They're not, right. not, not that they're always doing it right. Like, that's exactly how they have the ability to do it wrongly is because they don't have the proper checks right. and balances mm-hmm. to... Um, and I think that comes from the same idea of brotherhood like that you have yeah. on a sports team right. or any kind of They will choose to protect have. the killer of George Floyd instead of doing the right thing and trying to bring that man to justice yeah Yeah. I think and and it's a guy that had like it's unbearable to me to think that this guy had this many complaints of violence on him before and we couldn't have solved this problem we couldn't no one could have seen this coming no one understood this no one um, had the guts to speak up and Mm -hmm. change this or or to um, but the problem is a lot of times when people do go through the right measures to report a fellow police officer or... Nothing um, happens. Nothing happens. A lot of times they can get fired. And a lot of times you can lose the respect of your brothers around you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The same idea of like snitch, You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. snitches get stitches kind of thing where it's like... Uh, a lot of times I can see... I just kind of like to play devil's advocate like... Police have to look at each other like these are the guys that are going to protect them whenever something goes down. Like, mm-hmm. there's going to be a time where we're in a gunfight, and I got to yeah. trust this guy on the right next to me right. to protect my life. And the same way I think we can think of like our sports teams. Like, there was guys in our sports teams doing not good things. I don't know. Like, I don't. I, don't, I guess I can't say it specifically for you or for me, but just like in general, like there's right. groups of there's people in our lives that we care about deeply yeah. that do wrong things. Uh, but we don't always immediately stand up and tell them what they're doing and yeah. they're wrong, right? And so I'm not at all excusing the fact that... <laughs> yeah, people, there's bad things right. done in sports, but I don't know the least. <laughs> yeah. no, no, you're right. It's not you're right. murder. This, this is, you're right. This isn't, this isn't like... Just like a, I heard someone say, like, a, a pilot doesn't get the option to have a bad day. Yeah. To, to be a bad apple. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like there, isn't, there doesn't get to be bad apples in... in uh, policing. In policing, just like in pilots, because... The, the consequences are so grave and mm-hmm. so existential and if you mm-hmm. mess up in these extreme stress environments it ends up in something like the George yeah. Floyd right and, and I don't even know if you call that a mess up like in a specific I mean obviously it's an evil act in a specific instance but I think it shows the failure of the entire system over right. multiple 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 offenses that were not able to be um, addressed I, one of the problems that I've seen from that is the uh, idea of immunity that comes from unions. Not even yeah, the, idea. the police union is one of the strongest. Um. Yeah, and it, it protects uh, basically police from being tried in the court of law yeah. 
if they're following the actions that they were governed to do so yeah. or if it feels like that was the uh, training they had um, which in my mind clearly creates so many issues now because right. because of like just the ability to do the things do evil acts to commit these violence against people um, but then to be able to hide beyond what well, was behind the rules it was protected by the rules it was what I was trained to do or a, a way I was trained to do it and like actually the the movement whatever you want to call it the hold or kneeling on George Floyd's neck is uh, a, a technique that is allowed to be used in specific s- criteria that yeah I think I saw that not, like in a recent case met. because it had turned out badly before that it had been disestablished but anyway I may I may be wrong. Yeah. I, and the the problem is, it's not there's not a United States Police Department. Yeah. There is a Lexington oh, yeah, Police the, Department. The there police is department, department. There it, is, a, is so decentralized. And yeah. yeah. Because of that, you you can see officers that have multiple offenses move around yeah. and have mobility inside of the system. Which is ridiculous. Yeah. I feel like we should take a point from the military. You know, where they do anything wrong. They're in big doo doo, you right. know what I'm saying? They have to go to military court and then regular court, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, they are held to a, such a higher standard that I think the police should be held to the exact same. Yeah. I mean, of course, they're not the exact same job, but in a way, I feel like they're similar. If you're carrying a firearm to protect people around you, mm-hmm. you should probably be held to a slightly higher standard, not a standard that you are immune from the law. Mm-hmm. And that all goes back to just all those little things that we were talking about um, with COVID and the inequalities of. The, the African-American community affected. I like I think that if these police officers had a higher regard for black people and saw them more as equals, then maybe it would stop events like these from happening. Right. For sure. I think you're right. I think you're right. And, and also, definitely that, but I think also, like we said, better training. Well, I, I think you're... I think if you use the term in all cases, anytime... That's not the right way to use it, right? I think there is a lot of cases where you're right. Okay. If they did see them in equal, that it wouldn't have turned out the same way. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Right. Um, For sure. But there, I don't think it's always used fairly in that sense because, like, there's times when black cops kill black guys. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, like, it's not necessarily only a racial issue, if that makes sense. Yeah. I think it's, it's deeper it's, than that. It's, it's, it's not clear, all, like, black versus white. That's very true. And so I think I think there's an issue of police brutality, and there is also a, an issue of yeah. of systemic racism. And yeah, and it's like okay to say that there's both because right. when you bring it up to a lot of people, they're like, "Oh, you know, white cops kill white people too," and yeah. it's like, right, okay, <laughs> fine, but that's not really what we're getting at. Yeah, that's not the point. Yeah, yeah, yeah I think some people don't like the term. Maybe there's a better term to use than systemic racism because some people uh, only interpret that as... They only interpret racism in that blatant, outward, I hate black people racism, you know what I'm saying? And I hate you because you don't look like me. And so when they hear the term systemic racism, they're like, no, systemic racism was in the 1960s. You know what I'm saying? Systemic racism was redlining. Systemic racism was slavery. What we have today... It's not so like it's almost it's a, the, it's it becomes the shock a, wave from it that. becomes an argument of semantics instead of an argument 
of ideas. Instead of we're talking about ideas here, you're talking, you're breaking apart the specific words I'm using. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, I don't think, I think a lot of people just didn't know what systemic racism is. I don't think a lot of people knew that the fact that we have so such a high percentage of African-American males imprisoned is systemic racism. I think they just saw that as like a statistic, but now we're putting a face to the name. I think uh, just that fact alone does not make it systemic racism, but I think the fact that black men are uh, unequally given longer sentences for the same crimes and unequally given like tickets for being pulled over th- you know what I'm saying like I think you're right there is mm. specifics inside of those statistics that show that mm. but I, like it, I don't think it's necessarily fair to just say because oh I, I you know what I'm saying no 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 I, I 100% think it is i think the high rate of imprisonment for african-american males is completely systemic racism i think the causes that african-american males are getting imprisoned are totally a product of systemic racism i think mm. we're looking at this i agree i, I, agree. Okay, I yeah. agree with that yeah I agree with that. because i think we're looking at i mean you can even you can really look anywhere you can look at um why are white people getting jobs um, like at a higher rate than black people. You can look at why is the education system failing so many so many high school grads that are African Americans because I mean even not graduating high school your chances of going to jail for African American males rises 40%. Um, and there's just so many little things like maybe somebody went to jail because, you know, they kind of like we talked about earlier, maybe you stole something from a store because your family hasn't eaten in a week because, you know, you have all these little causes that I think just fuel that fire. Or that's just a culture, like that's just what was around you growing yeah. up, like that was normal, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, I guess what I'm saying is um, there could be a perfectly non-racist society like completely figuratively speaking there could be imagine a society where there is no racism but there still is more black people incarcerated for some reason I don't know I can't see it maybe I'm maybe I'm speaking and it's not even true but my point is that like uh, in the same like statistics could be shown to prove anything like there's people can use statistics to show that there isn't systemic racism if that's how they want to wiggle the statistics do you see what i'm saying like you can there's sometimes fact maybe some statistics but not that statistic just because the way that i mean i just think about how we talked about slavery and that slavery transition that you mentioned just the imprisonment of african-americans just so they could stay like indentured slaves and stay working and people would and then that led to people trying to imprison more black men just to get them in that working force and to make money yeah to give that man his dollar let me try try, i think the disconnect is i'm not saying that i don't believe those things are true i'm not saying that that isn't what i'm saying is kind of trying to like bring the opposing argument here and what other people would do in this situation not say other people but like what can be used to silence this argument to like uh, like some people will say well yes there's actually more white people that get shot by cops than black people mm-hmm. well if you just look at that statistic alone 
it's misleading because that is a true fact. There are yeah. more white people shot right. than black people due to the population. But, yeah. Exactly, but if you but if you readjust to to calculate for population percentage, yeah. it's not the same. Then it actually is that there's more black people getting shot per ratio of person there is. So you see what I'm saying? Like, just a statistic in itself can be used oh, okay, poorly. Yeah, right, you know what right, I'm saying? Like, yeah, you can you take it out of context. Right. Exactly, yeah, exactly. That's my, that's my argument. Is that okay, right? yeah, totally, totally. Okay, so, like, I'm saying it's just Like these news sources that we were talking about, they will take anything that they can twist to put in their own way. It was, like, the, the first, like, Trump inauguration, and there, there are two different pictures. You have one picture, and it looks like there's no one there. And yeah. then you have another picture and they're like, all these people. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. exactly. That's exactly what I'm trying to say is that like, I think there can be a problem on any side of using statistics to show, using twisting statistics to use your side yeah. instead of saying, here's the facts and here's what the facts say. I don't have to argue the fact that... Uh, like, when, when I show a statistic showing that black men for the same crimes are getting longer prison sentences, yeah. I don't have to argue anything like that. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I don't have to make a case. It, the case is made by itself, if that makes sense. Yeah. And so, like, uh, I don't know. I don't even know exactly what we were talking about, but uh, I guess we can just move on to incarceration. Obviously, incarceration is something that's yeah. a, a plague to to the American system in general and just like uh, I was talking to Isaac about this the other day and just the fact that uh, a lot of our crimes the punishment doesn't match mm-hmm. right like yeah. he was explaining um, just logically like if a kid uh, draws on a desk or writes something poorly on his desk he has now a choice of how he wants to punish him for this, and then, and he is like the punishment has to match the crime. So if someone makes something dirty, or if you make your room dirty at home, what's your mom do? Make you clean. Make it. you clean it. Like that's that's <laughs> the first thing you have to do to fix it. Maybe there's a repercussion after that, like yeah. you grounded for a week because you didn't do this right. But like, the repercussion to vandalizing isn't you go sit by yourself for ten years in a jail cell. It's you got to clean this. And I don't know. I. I'm not a I'm not a lawyer. I'm, yeah, not, I'm not a right. perfect understanding of the <laughs> law, but like our our punishments have to match up with our crimes and yeah. and uh, I don't know. I think uh, when it comes down to like injustice in the police department, um, I think kind of get into like real solutions. I think, like I was saying, training can be one of the number one things to fix it. So, like, how easy it is to become a police officer compared to, like, joining the military or, like, becoming a Navy SEAL. Obviously, a Navy SEAL is a different... If we made police officers go through the same training as Navy SEALs, we wouldn't have enough. Even even basic military training is still more than some police (laughs) department. I'm not saying all, because they can have their own standards for wherever they are. Yeah. But for a lot of them, it's... Pretty damn low. <laughs> yeah, and what I'm saying is, like, for, like, if you look at like and like higher level military or like uh, Navy SEALs, I was listening to Jocko Willenick on Joe Rogan podcast talking about it, and he was saying we would train for 18 months for a six month deployment. Cops train for six months before they are enlisted into the police department. Now, it doesn't mean their training is 100% over there. A lot of times they go into a two-year probationary period where they have to be with a partner or something like that. But the hands-to-hand, like, armed fighting defense combat training they have is not nearly enough to make 
guys be able to be confident in right. men and women, sorry, in this in these intense situations to be confident enough to know and like to be able to have peace in the chaos, if that makes right. sense. So like Jocko was explaining how yeah. what should have happened in the joint Floyd cases. One of the other police officers the, those other police officers there, two of them were actually like rookies, like brand new cops on the oh, job. Okay. Um that like hadn't been there long and so like I don't know. It's I think it's I would hope I would have been a police officer that would have jumped in there yeah, and stopped that from like, happening. But for me to say 100% I know I could do that, I think, is right. a little bit like what should have happened there is the police officer said, okay, this interaction is getting heated. He's been on that guy for three minutes yeah. now. All right, you're going to go sit over here and cool off, and I'm going to handle this mm-hmm. guy, right? Like just that uh, we don't have nearly enough de-escalation training. Yeah. So um, Jocko made – the point that he thinks cops should t- train for one-fifth of the time that they're on the force. So one-fifth of the time that they're spent... So four-fifths of the time they're sp- actually policing and one-fifth of the time they're training. Just like if you look at... Yeah. If you look at any like super high-level thing, if you look at professional sports, you look at professional fighting. Like the professional fighters have an eight-week fight camp for a 20-minute fight. Yeah. And like the amount of training you have to have to be able to get into a fight and feel calm is a yeah. different level. Like, yeah. that's a different kind of yeah. human you got to be in because right. in reality, there are a lot of situations where the cop, it doesn't go well for cops, where the cops are being shot at, where yeah. they, are, being, they yeah. are dealing with real crime, just like those real criminals that are going and taking advantage of these protests. Those guys are still doing real bad things in the normal days. And I'm not saying that that justifies now police brutality upon black right. people that is like it's clearly different to be a black person yeah. in today's day and age right. but there's also real crime that's happening that's now shaping how a police officer is looking at it instead yeah. of having the training where we can have much more like psychological evaluations so like right. we gotta if we would've been giving this guy psychological evaluations with the George Floyd case we wouldn't have hopefully I can't say 100% I don't have all the answers but like finding and diagnosing this PTSD and the trauma that these police are going through so that they're able to remain calm and not right. just immediately go to yeah. their their, yeah. their instincts to flee or to fight, if that makes it's sense. It's funny, because like, you could be walking down the street and you see you know Paul Blart right there, you know, guy has been on the force 30 years, fat as could be, who's, yeah. got his, who's been able to do whatever he wants for that entire time, and say someone comes up to him and you know, flips him the bird, he might just arrest him just because he... He's has a problem with someone showing him that he can't have his way all the time. Yeah. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not saying you should do that. Like I think you should show a th- like respect and authority. You know, be a kind human being. But it comes a point where they have to be able to take something. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> they yeah, gotta be able have to, to handle be able it. To be a sp- just like we were saying, like the, being a police officer is not a normal job. It's not right. being an accountant. It's yeah. not working at a Kroger. It's not. Like, in a lot of, I think, retail and food stores, like, you deal with some real customer service. And, like, Mm -hmm. people, you deal with some real escalated situations, but you're not dealing with someone may have a gun all the time. Right, right. Or some junkie that's, like, run around, acting crazy. Like, they got to deal with that. Causing real harm. Yeah. Like, people that are actually going out with the the intent to murder people or harm people. And um, I just think we have to have an ability, like, Andrew Yang has this idea of train every cop to be a uh, purple belt in jiu-jitsu. Do you know anything <laughs> about jiu-jitsu? Uh, karate. <laughs> so jiu-jitsu is like, 
It's, yeah, it's kind like of wrestling. similar to wrestling, wrestling, yeah. But it's all about like holds. Oh, and, like, yeah, yeah. So like, there is a lot of like, yeah, like UFC yeah, 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 stuff, yeah. like like choke holds and like, and so I think a lot of people immediately say like, we shouldn't ever have choke holds in the police, and I'm like. In my opinion, I think, all right, let's yeah. slow down and decide exactly what we want because yeah. have you ever tried to stop a 200-pound ripped man trying to – like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's not easy to just yeah. contain someone that's yeah. freaking out. And the right. best way to do that is with chokeholds. Yeah. And I'm not saying that now every time we get in a situation, we should just choke <laughs> someone out. But literally in jiu-jitsu every day, there's thousands of people choking each other out until they pass out or tap every day. And they're, and they're walking away perfectly safe and fine. Because they're trained in how to do it in a safe yeah. way. Yeah. They're trained in a way to learn how to use your body, even if it's smaller, to control someone else because I have the technique to do so. Yeah. Just like in basketball, you can be trained. There's people that are 6'1 that can still dunk on guys that right. are 6'8 because they have the better technique yeah. and the better training and the better... Maybe it's because they're naturally blessed with that athleticism. Right. But in the same way, I think... Um, I don't know. We have to... I think that's actually a really interesting idea of training cops yeah. to at least be a purple yeah. belt jiu-jitsu, like getting them hands-on training so that they're not, they don't have this built-up rage. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, do you ever have that just yeah. inside? If you're not being active yeah. or you're not, right. like when you went from playing basketball every day to not being playing basketball, you have this weird thing inside right. you. Like, I got to release this energy yeah. somehow. Now imagine if you're watching all of these, hor- like the worst parts of America every mm-hmm. day and not having a release and there's no physical requirements on police officers so you can be significantly overweight and then and then you're literally feeling like you're I in have danger to use my gun now you're feeling it, like yeah. you're in danger because you yeah. got nothing to defend yeah. yourself yeah. you can't defend yourself in your fight you're going to get beat up that's true and so like I, I think it's absurd that there isn't continual physical requirements just like there is in the military oh yeah no doubt and I mean I I, there, I'd like to think in the police force there should be a lot of alternatives and procedures that you would do before you shoot or, or kill. Um, so it just makes me think that there's just this disregard for for black life. Um, and I'm, I'm looking at the... Uh, I can't remember the specific name right now. Just I'm inundated with names right now. But the, the shooting at the Wendy's in Georgia, I think it was, um, and that came from... The man was drunk in his car and... Oh, um, um, Brooks, maybe? No. Yeah, feels like... The guy was drunk. Richard Brooks. Richard Brooks, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, I mean, the guy takes the... Yeah, this is a perfect example. Maybe the taser, the tranquilizer, but they, I mean, they did the, you know, after he was killed, they found out that the officer knew that the taser tranquilizer that the man, Richard Brooks, was holding was not active it wasn't um he knew that so i know nothing what what exactly went down okay do you are you can you you have something loaded or i don't have anything loaded but like there was a guy that was drunk in a in a wendy's parking lot in his car with the car stopped not causing so he obviously drove there but like he was in the parking lot not causing any harm right just standing there right and so the police are called they come to the scene and for the first I don't know if it's 20 or 30 minutes, everything is smooth. Yeah. Everything is easy. He's listening to them. He's just telling them, hey, guys, can I just leave my car here and walk home? Can yeah. I Uber home? Can yeah. I just call him? He's like, it's fine. My sister lives around the corner. Like, I'll walk. Don't worry. Yeah. Like, it's cool. It's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? And he's just, like, trying to be like, hey, everything's cool here. Like, yeah. I'm just normal. Had a couple of drinks, trying yeah. to enjoy the yeah. night, trying right. to grab on some Wendy's, yeah. you know and what I'm then, saying? Yeah. And then it turns into, well, now you're getting arrested. 
Oh. You're getting arrested. Oh. <laughs> he gets getting charged with a DUI, I guess. I don't know exactly. So he's getting charged with a DUI, and that's when things changed, right? Right. So he's told he's getting arrested, and it becomes a physical altercation, right? Right. Where there's two cops versus one, and this guy outmuscles both the cops because they're obviously... <laughs> right. <laughs> they weren't properly trained enough, I guess, to be able to hold two versus one. They should be able to right. at least contain a man, right? Right. But because they weren't able to do their job there, and now... He there's a tussle, whatever, and the guy ends up with the taser, and so the taser. There's non-lethal. Okay, yeah. Taser. Same thing that they, they tased him twice actually. Okay. So they had tased him with the taser, and he still kept fighting. Yeah. Right. So he takes the taser and he gets up and he he's runs running away, away he's like running turns, he's turning around yeah. and shooting it. And so this is the part that like I don't have a hundred percent clear now because I've heard several different things of. He, the officers knew that there wasn't another shot or that there was a pop like it's possible that there is a pop even if there's not a so the tapers right. only have two shots or something right like yeah, yeah yeah and it's possible there's a pop if there's not uh if there's not another charge and so yeah that one's that one's hard and to, that's why I that just think hard. of this blatant disregard yeah. for yeah. black life it's because hard not you to can have that, like yeah. all the training with this man is intoxicated with a taser. Okay, worst case, maybe he runs another block. He throws up. <laughs> no, I think it's 100% right. Keels like, over. The thing is yeah. they have this man's identity. They yeah. have where he lives. They so, know where he's going. They, if they really need to arrest him, show up the next morning and arrest right. him. Right. And it just makes you wonder, like, why? why? Like, yeah, why, why shoot him in the back? Comes to the point, like, do officers need, like, have a quota to arrest people? Because if they do, yeah. that's crazy. <laughs> Like, why do you need, like, I don't know. I don't claim to know either. I don't claim to know either, but I'm saying, why would you, if you have the option to arrest somebody or not arrest somebody for something so minute, why would you want to arrest them? Unless, you know, of course, you you lean into, how could you not think, obviously, they have to be racist, right? It's hard not to go down that path. That one's a, that one's a, those officers were fired, and one of them, either one or both of them was charged with. I want to say the one was charged with murder. Yeah, it's gonna be an interesting court case to see yeah. to see how it play because I think I don't know. I'm hesitant to say we don't have all the facts because I think that's an argument that's frequently used to dismiss cases yeah. of police brutality. <laughs> like that's something that was um, as sad as it is very obvious in the George Floyd case there was nobody that could dismiss what happened it was very like even people are still trying to say no he died because he was on drugs people still were saying um, and it's true like George Floyd had I believe he'd been to prison before he had a couple offenses of offenses but nothing in that video should have led you to justify (laughs) that man was not resisting that man was on the ground begging for help and begging for mercy and so that was like clearly nobody could watch that and say that the cop did good there. Yeah. That they, right. they acted justified or no one could watch that and say, oh, they didn't know what was happening or there was a threat. Like, a lot of times I've seen other videos and I've seen it turn into more argument because someone's like, well, what happened before? And I do think that's fair to ask. I do think it's fair yeah, to have Yeah, you want to know the whole context. I do right. think it's fair to have context. I think there is some videos of black guys getting shot, but you didn't see the whole video, right? But I think if you use that argument every time automatically, like some people use that argument without actually searching for the context. Yeah. So they're not they're not actually yeah. meaning. They just want to shoot it down. They're yeah. just shutting down yeah. the argument. Yeah. Does that make sense? And so like, I think we have to be, in all cases, like take it by a case by case basis and look deep into it before we can just immediately say that it's one way or the other. If that makes sense. 
because just like this George Floyd case, we were lucky in a way. I don't know if lucky is the right word. I definitely wasn't. Well, I'm sorry. It was beneficial that there was a 13-year-old girl there recording the whole thing in the sense that we were able as like no one in the if anyone disputes what happens there and says yeah. that that was okay there's, there's then, film. then we clearly Multiple. we clearly can know what that Which person is, thinks yeah. very sad to think about how many times something like that happened yeah. and it wasn't recorded I think that's actually another change that has to be made well yes body the body, body should be, be active at all times. and not Talk able to turn Beyonce. off <laughs> yeah it's been too many times that like like the case of Brianna Taylor well the the, the Body cams got turned off. Like, oh, oh darn! Yeah, too bad. Yeah. Maybe that's true. Like, let's just let's just play dope. Maybe it's true that they got turned off. In my mind, there either has to be like such a deep dive into the technology to see, okay, did they literally just glitch? But I I would want to err on the side of yeah. if your body cam turned off. That's criminal. Right? Yeah. Yeah. You're that, doing some, like the same you, thing with the people at the protest, like taping over their badge numbers like yeah, what's the point what are you doing the, what is the point that only insinuates that you that we know that you're trying to do something immoral yeah, yeah. and right and that leads me to two we've been on for a long time we should probably go off soon but like two last thoughts you have like the people were like oh well maybe if we, some this black person that got pulled over would have just acted right then you know this wouldn't happen they wouldn't have got shot but then you look at the Breonna Taylor case and it's like she was sleeping in her bed minding yeah. her own business yeah. like yeah. What more, you know? Obviously, there are a lot of things wrong. And a lot of things need to be fixed. Yeah, and that's why we're here. That Hopefully is exactly why we're here. Catalysts and no, you're uh, right. And that specific case is gross. Yeah, like it's a no-knock warrant where that guy, her boyfriend, was it her boyfriend or her husband? Um, boyfriend, husband, significant other, yeah. that gets arrested because yeah, he's shooting, yeah, he's yeah. shooting back yeah. for his home Tell being what, yeah. invaded. What, what American is not, or what yeah. gun owning person yeah. is not going to be firing back at some yeah. no knock warrant? Yeah. Just knocked on the door and come in and start shooting. Yeah. Anyone that has a gun is going to start shooting and where, back. And where's the NRA on this? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> where, where is now, that? Now it's quiet. <laughs> and there's like last thing on the. You were talking about the ones that don't get recorded. Yeah. For the statistics people that are like, oh, you know, only this many black people get shot and harassed. And like, these are only recorded numbers. Right. Like, what about stuff not reported yeah. and not recorded? Yeah, absolutely. But, yeah, I mean, there's a lot that could be said. Um, and I'm happy that I could come in yeah. and I'm sure speak with you guys today. Yeah, we could probably to. keep going. But <laughs> I think a lot, the last one last question I want to ask is, how yeah. is everybody's tea? Oh. I know they're all, we're pretty much done. But the tea was, was actually like for my f- one of my first tea experiences was good. That's good. I- I'm impressed. Okay, okay. That was the the pure leaf. I recommend sweet. the extra sweet tea. The pure leaf extra sweet tea, not hot, but it's good. It's a good start. Sponsor us. My tea was certainly refreshing. Yeah. Uh, definitely some hints of of lemon. Yeah. With a little citrusy taste yeah. Just yeah. to make it yeah. taste on the tongue. The the Wu Yu Oolong was had a very nice. N- nice earthy feel. Um, there's hints of sweetness, but I wouldn't say like manufactured sweetness. It kind of tastes like more of a fruity, like sweetness you get from natural fruit. But definitely <laughs> very earthy and uh, warm the soul. It was it was nice. <laughs> all right, good good reviews all I around. Think, all right, if it's all right with you, there's one more point I think yeah, that yeah, we're going to talk sure. about. Uh, just kind of like I don't want to end things on. 
I think the important part to talk about in the last note is, is racial reconciliation. Like, how mm. do we move forward from here in a way that's uniting us yeah. instead of separating us more? And, like, if we're getting into the weeds of, like, specifics and we can keep doing that forever and maybe not agreeing or not finding agreement, like, I think at the end of the day we have to find agreement or to some sort of conclusion we can agree. Yeah. Um, in a well, as well as, like, I think it's... Even myself, it's easy to get caught up in, like, the specifics of exactly what's happening, but we also have to talk about how that makes people feel as a, like, not in a soft way, not in, like, oh, let's be all, I don't know, in a way that's, like, what does that make the black community feel like? Like, mm-hmm. the black community, whether whether they, how do I word this thing 100% right away? So, there's some people, I guess, that believe that every single time anything happens is, is racism, right? Okay. There could be that, that belief, and there could be the opposite side of the spectrum where everything that happens is never racism. Okay. You see what I'm saying? And so, like, I don't know what point that it, I don't know where the truth is inside of there. Yeah. I know it's not here. I know that every bad thing that happens isn't racism. Mm-hmm. And I know it's certainly not here. You see what I'm saying? And so, like, uh, I don't know exactly how we find this point in the middle where, yeah. where the truth really is. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. That's yeah. why I think these conversations are important. Where For sure. Whether, if, it's, if the truth is here and it's 75% of the time it's racist and 25% not, but black people feel like it's 100% of mm-hmm. the time, that's a problem. That's a problem that like people don't f- people feel the way they do for a reason. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like black people don't yeah. feel like yeah, they're your being feelings are your feelings are not. very valid. Yeah, you yeah. see what I'm saying? Like, yeah. The entire community yeah. feels like they are at risk. It's not made of something. And that yeah. They can't up. go out, and from the when they're a kid to whenever they die, yeah, they feel like they have to watch their back. That's a serious problem we have to deal with in America. Yeah. People should feel validated and heard. I agree. And I think like. Like you're right. Like, it's at the end of the day, it's not. It's not 100% only fact that matters. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Like, uh, like I was saying, like we can't exactly prove exactly. Wh- it's it's really hard to look at every specific case and prove 100% is this specific thing racism or not. Right. Like like the, even the George Floyd, it's not 100% clear in my mind that. I, I don't know. I guess I, I should yeah, say that. I, mean, I think it was racist, but there's some people that make claims like there was previous things or previous things that happened this way or the other. And so my point is, like, I can't know what was happening in that right, man's mind right. before he did and that. And I think that's why it's important to to realize that a lot of things are going to be... Like, just looking for, like, actionable items, a lot of things are going to be people who are much more knowledgeable than us about the subject matter and a lot of leaders like community leaders like i couldn't tell you what lexington specifically needs to fix their racial injustices problem but there are people in lexington um like on urban county councils that could tell you exactly what lexington needs and people in the lexington and kentucky area should those people should be meeting and having conversations on how we can move forward and make real changes Mm. yeah i think you're right like Getting educated right. is one of the ways that obviously you can help in understanding uh, the racial inequality that didn't it didn't come out of a vacuum. We're not in this place now where a significant portion of our lowest class is minority populations. Yeah. That didn't just happen. It's not just because black people are bad and want to be criminals and naturally criminals or naturally bad with their money or any of these things like that. Like There's obvious things from slavery to Jim Crow 
1960 segregation to where we are now that have led people to be in the same position that they've been in for 400 years and not yeah. not the exact same you're right like a lot of people well, well things are better things are better they want to use well we're not in slavery anymore so how can you complain in a way they don't say yeah. exactly that no I've heard, I mean, I've heard that but it's like I've literally heard that in my mind I look at that and it's like well last year a hundred babies were killed yeah. and this year yeah. we only killed 50 babies with I don't, maybe that's yeah. what she did say. I'm not even <laughs> talking about abortion, but I'm just saying like newborn babies out on a bit. Only 100 of them were shot this year. 50, great job. We're doing a great job. You know what I'm saying? Like, yes, things may be better than they were before, but that doesn't mean that. Yeah, it's fixed. You know what I'm saying? Like, we can't just say, well, things are better, and so we don't need to talk about that, and we don't need to worry. Yeah, about we that. see a lot of that. I mean, people were like, we want the police involved in Breonna Taylor's, uh, the Breonna Taylor case arrested, and society was like, all right, um, well, we took the person, the white person voicing the black person on yeah. like Family Guy yeah. off the air. So yeah. We've canceled yeah. Aunt Jemima. Yeah, yeah. like yeah. we've we've made significant <laughs> strides now, and it's like. We have these specific action items, and that's why people feel invalidated and that they're not heard, and that's why people are out protesting. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. That's kind of the... I posted something like that on Twitter. It was like, yeah, some Asian voice... It was a white-voiced Asian actor in an animated yeah. film. It was like, I'm stepping down. And I don't know. I think that's kind of where... Kind of full circle of like the having to speak up on social media thing and like yeah. where celebrities will clearly like like singing these songs like if you could only imagine or yeah, like, yeah. Just like, thanks, like, thanks like, for that I yeah. feel that. like oh my god that was awesome like that or like song like whenever people are taking this movement and using it for their own agenda yeah. or using it for things that or just using it to try to feel better about themselves or using it to well well I'm not racist because I posted a black but like right. my point is there's going to be a lot more action than that to prove. yeah bottom line I mean listen to black people validate their concerns um, get people get black people in executive positions you know make real change and, and talk we're part of that yeah sweet I think I want to end this uh, kind of in a weird way, but in prayer. If yeah, that's for cool. sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, Another great thing that can help, yeah, help yeah. everything. Do you want to lead us? Yeah. Dear Jesus, I just pray um, that black voices could feel heard in America. That um, just the divide we have in our country because of, of race, Lord, I pray that that you would um, come in and and f bridge that gap and allow us to continue to have conversations where maybe we can't get all the solutions Lord but we're gonna try I pray that you would continue to to allow um, our black population in America to feel safe Lord that you would continue to allow them to feel safe in you and and even people that don't believe in you Jesus I pray that you would allow them to to live in an America where they don't have to look over their shoulder where they don't have to walk around in stores and feel like they're being watched because someone thinks they're going to take something Lord, or, or they don't have to be worried when they get pulled over in the middle of the night for speeding that they're going to lose their life Jesus I pray that that you would you would take this opportunity and Allow us to use it in the fullest extent, Lord, that you would um, 
allow our generation to be a generation that seeks true change, that we don't just use our words, we combine our actions with our words, Lord. I pray that you would move through through this Black Lives Matter movement, Lord, through protests, through everything in our current situation right now, Lord, to fix injustice and allow my brothers and sisters to breathe. In your name I pray, amen. 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 Good stuff. Dave, we really appreciate you coming out, and I hope we didn't. I hope we agree more than we disagree uh, on things, and I hope we all know. Nah, that was from. great. Like, I mean, we started a sweet. 6.30, and we just, we were just rolling. You were saying it. A little easy. Yeah. It was a good combo. We could have kept going for like three oh. hours. Thanks for listening to our Tea Time. Time's the only resource you can't ever get back, so we truly appreciate you spending it with us. If you're interested in hearing more, follow us on Twitter to stay updated at T-E-A-T-I-M-E-M-S.